0: Episode 68. And right out of the fucking gate, we have new creepsters. And we have ROMs. All the fucking time. We have Kim K from Utah. Utah in the house. And Charlotte M from Arizona. Hot as fuck. I don't know, I've never actually been there, but it, <laughs> you know.
1: Every time I think of like Arizona and place like that, all I think of is like breaking bad.
0: All I think about is medium. She was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I got way too excited because I loved that show. And she didn't even fucking have cheesecake. Mm-mm. But I had a brookie from McAllister. McAllister's. McAllister's
1: because they got rid of their motherfucking, oh, what they call them? Marshmallow squares because I yeah. couldn't call them Rice Krispie Treats.
0: I always said, your Rice Krispie Treats?
1: Because I, who can that remember was, that? Legitimately, that was like the first thing today that I was like, ooh, that would be so good. Let me, will you get me one? <laughs> they didn't motherfucking have it. Mm-mm. But they had a brookie. The first motherfucking thing in a damn month, I have been like, oh, I could eat that. That Yeah. That would be
0: really good. Nope. Denied. Mm Mm-hmm. But the brookie, can I say that one more time? Sponsor us, please, McAllister's, because it's a cookie and a brownie, and that was right up my fucking alley. Okay, what else do we have to talk about, Carrie, besides food that I want to eat some more of? We have to talk about award show Friday oh fuck yes
1: y'all we won best local podcast whoop, whoop. and that is because of all y'all because y'all fucking voted and y'all
0: tore signature magazine up the website
1: they there were 740,000 votes mm-hmm. and I'm gonna guess 700,000 of them were y'all
0: <laughs> yes right not just for us but like all
1: all over oh yeah 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 not just votes for yeah It was because there's like 20 categories, like best local Instagrammer, best bar, best bartender, best, you know, guitarist, blah, 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 like best at all the things.
0: I said, Carrie, next year we got to win more categories. She was like, like what? And I was like, I don't know, but we got to be in them. I'm addicted to winning now. (laughs) Y'all, our award is so nice. It's like fucking heavy as shit. Yeah, they like they didn't just say like, oh, everyone gets an award. Slap a thing on there. No, no, no. It's like etched in. Like a blacksmith, he got overtime for working on it.
1: <laughs> so if you want to see, you know, one picture, I, I told Don I was like, I guess we have to take a picture because <laughs> she and I, we have no pictures no, together. No, we don't. I, why do we not take pictures together? I think one of us is a vampire and we don't want the other one to notice. <laughs> well, we did take a picture on the red carpet holding the award and it's on there. And <laughs>
0: don't sound so excited. Thank <laughs> God. And it's on there.
1: And along with our awkward AF video oh, of God. us
0: accepting the war. So awkward. Sorry, Signature Magazine. Well, we'll do better when we accept, you know, the five next year. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, they're going to be like, oh, and take out podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Those girls were crazy.
0: <laughs> they emailed us all the fucking time. <laughs> I'm sorry. but Do you have a ramp? Yeah. Do you have a ramp? Do you have this? Accessible scene. Do, do
1: you have this? <laughs> Look, my girl is hard up over here.
0: Oh, God. Hey, shout out to Signature Magazine and the Sanger Theater. That's where it was downtown. And let me tell you, as a big girl, I am like, oh, my God, it's gonna be so hot. It's gonna be so whatever. It was so cold in the auditorium. It felt so good because it was so hot outside. But meanwhile, we had to go up and rant backstage for Carrie. And it was hot as fuck back there. Especially
1: after I traversed the fucking ramp with my damn brakes on my fucking scooter. After she yelled at me, I did not it. fucking yell at you. I said, "Don't! I don't move it with the brakes on." <laughs> I e yelled at me. Yeah. So I was really exhausted by the time we yeah. got up there. Yeah. I mean, because it's a rental, so the brakes are stripped. Oh, they're stripped? Well, like, they don't, like, I mean, if you can put the brakes on, you can still move it. They're not, like, the best fucking brakes
0: ever. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant from you, and I was like, just from that? No, no, no. Oh, so, sorry. that's why I was able to do that. Oh. Uh, speaking of the yelling that she just did at me, if you, um. <laughs> Again, because I'm a bit, <laughs> <laughs> If you are interested in Patreon, you know, like, you want to shout out how Charlotte and Kim got, there's three bonus episodes you get a month. At least, because there's extra slices, things that are cut out that's, like, too much of a tangent, but not, like, funny like a blooper, you know? And so, you know, we're extra large pizzas, and sometimes you just need an extra slice. Those are there. But we call that her mom voice because she did it in the June bloopers, too, because she had to do a mom voice, and it's that. It's horrible. (laughs) I'm like, bless your kid's heart if you ever have one. But... I'm telling you, it's worth it. Will does intros for every bloopers. So, and he's British, y'all. And so, his accent on point.
1: Yes. And I love hearing Will's little bit like commentary in the beginning.
0: Oh my gosh. Of the, the month best.
1: and the like funny as fuck. <laughs>
0: yes. I love I, the way he says that. I think you sound just like him. He doesn't. No, he said so this last one, y'all. Anyway, I'm telling you, I'm like not blowing smoke up your ass because uh, I don't have good aim. But it's... It's it's good. It's good stuff. We listen to them. I listen to all the bonus episodes. I mean, like, we record them. I listen to them when they come out. And, yeah. I mean, we listen to the bloopers, like, four times at mm-hmm. least. Anyway. Something else I love that I have not spoken about because a certain someone who I do the podcast with, I won't call her name out, but she's sitting right in front of me and she has a knee scooter. Um... <laughs> But I have been obsessed for, like, a month. And when I say obsessed, I'm watching multiple episodes a day with Love Island. It is British trash reality TV, and it is top quality. (laughs) Like, tip top quality, y'all. And see, Carrie, she, oh, sorry, I named you. But she doesn't like it to, like, listen to me when she doesn't watch something and I have to, like, Explain the whole premise and then explain everything that I think is funny. But then she's like, huh, really funny. Meanwhile, she's going to be
1: obsessed with this show for about three more weeks. And then she's just going to abandon ship. Middle of the (laughs) fucking series. Middle of all the things. Never know who loves who. And (laughs) just stop watching it because that's her M.O.
0: I mean, it usually is, y'all. But I'm telling you, it's so funny. The commentator... He is so fucking witty. Oh, my God. He's the best. And they are all British. They're all hilarious. Their lingo is great. Poor Will. He doesn't like it. And he's British, like we have mentioned before. Like, 85 times mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. He was like my like Google person. I'm like, hey, Will, do you call them this? Do you do this? Do you do that? And he's like, no. No. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll take the hint. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, that was after like 85 of those questions. But finally took the hit. But I found my people, y'all. Meltorinos. It's a murderinos who love Love Island. I have found them. I am welcomed. And I am whole now. You are
1: in every motherfucking Facebook group that exists. I've, yeah, I am. I mean, legitimately, <laughs> I think you're in 500.
0: <laughs> I probably am. I mean, it's because I have so many, like, how loves. Do you, how do you keep up with all the motherfucking notifications? I don't know, because I'm, like, on top of it all the time. I'm a social media ninja. Yeah, dog. Can't even keep up with our group. <laughs> I'm also in Big Brother Reno's. Shout out if you love him. Boop, boop. But, okay, I haven't brought it up because, you know, it's, like, not true crime and we go off on enough tangents, whatever, but I was going through, minding my business, scrolling through the gram, and... And lo and behold, Billy fucking Jensen had posted about Love Island on his story. Shut the fuck up. Uh Uh-uh. He was like, now the real drama begins. And I was like, yes, yes, because it's true. It is very true. But I was like, if Billy Jensen says it, I can come out and just say, I'm Donna Elwin. I'm addicted to Love Island. I have watched four seasons in a month, and they're like 50-something episodes. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. How long are the episodes? Like
1: uh, 40 minutes an hour. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No wonder
0: you don't ever fucking sleep. You're watching fucking Long <laughs> Island. I am, y'all. Oh my God. It's so good. The first season, the best. The best. So if you're like watching five or you want to catch up because it's like, it's not even halfway through yet. I mean, it's only like, you know, 13 episodes. <laughs> Go back to one. You have to watch the first episode, it's on Hulu. It's a time killer. I'm telling you, it's a time suck. (laughs) True. Sheesh. Also, I'm very sorry for the people who had to skip my my part. Your fucking story. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. You got everybody triggered. I know, but yours just was like creeper, no creeper, sin. The whole story. Mm -mm. The whole story. Yours
1: had animals.
0: I know, but it was just like a small like I just had to say it because he was so like Oh god
1: and again. But ugh, like I can't even talk about it to I know, be honest. It was I know. so bad.
0: But I felt so bad. I'm so sorry, y'all. But hey, might have to skip this episode too, some What? Not animals, not animals, people. You gotta lay off the animals. You said you were gonna take a break from them for I am, I am. Like, you know I love animals. I'm in pupparinos too. Of course you are. <laughs> I mean, I love murder and I love a lot of other shit. God. <laughs> okay, okay. What's your story this week? Okay. Picture it. 1825, New Orleans, Louisiana. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Picturing it. Picturing it. It's hot. It's muggy. You got swamp ass for days. The swamp ass
1: does not end. No. Because you know there was no motherfucking air conditioning.
0: Oh, fuck. Did they have baby powder back then? Mm-hmm. I think so. All right. A dentist named Dr. Joseph Gardet he built the mansion of his dreams. Well, you know, hired people to build. It was going to be located at the corner of Orleans and Delphine Street. And like some males do, they uh, compensate. His was the tallest house in the French Quarter. It had basements that were further off the ground and ceilings that were higher than any private residence in the city. Okay, he must have been a real busy dentist. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, Tooth Fairy ain't got a shit on him. And it was like four stories. All right, fast forward four years. It's completed. He's lived in it. And now he's done with it. I built a house and all I got is this fucking t-shirt. He sold the house to another wealthy guy. His name was Jean-Baptiste Lepreit. But because, you know, like Creole, all that, I don't know. So we can call him JB. Okay. Cause that's more my style. Cause I'm not, you know, like she she, Jean Baptiste Prit. Yeah, I don't even know if that's even a thing. Like that's I not probably
1: me. butchered every <laughs> single second of that. Everyone who speaks French or mm-hmm. is from Louisiana and speaks Creole mm-hmm. French, they're like Cajun
0: French. They're like this bitch. Yeah, don't know shit. You know what? If you're down with JBP, yeah, you know me. That's me. <laughs> well. He was a wealthy bank merchant and, of course, a plantation owner. How do you even get into the bank business? Well, first he probably said
1: one plus one equals two, and they're like, fucking genius. I mean, I just don't understand. Girl, I don't either. I don't, this is why I don't have money because I don't understand how people
0: get money. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you know, like, how do you just start something? I know. So he made the house even more extravagant. He added wraparound porches and had like the cast iron grill work and so that's so pretty. Beautiful. 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 You went down like eight octaves. It's beautiful. Just you're like just so beautiful. (laughs) My Ursula came out. I'm sorry. (laughs) So with the top floor being a ballroom, he had spacious galleries. The house was, like, the fucking place to be in the fridge quarter. Well, I'm going to go. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hadn't heard the rest of your story. I mean, if JB had a fucking party, it was popping and everyone was there. Unless you weren't cool and, you know, you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't uncommon for people who were plantation owners Who would go to the city, like they would have, you know, a city Mm -hmm. house, you know, that's like fucking extravagant and then a huge plantation also. But whatever. I'm not bitter, I'm just saying. So when it would be super hot in the summer and shit, they would go to the city. Because, you know, plantation, it's too hot for them. I mean, meanwhile, he has a lot of fucking people working outside that he doesn't care about. Anyway, I digress. But they would go and be like, "Oh, let's throw a party. And so they live here in New Orleans. So instead of them being snowbirds, he had a plantation in. They were like summer snobs. Yes. Uh, He had a plantation in uh, Plaquemines Parish. Okay. That's uh, right. (gasps) That's
1: where Eugéne Bois-Fontaine was murdered. Oh, my God. I mean, not that I'm excited she got murdered. No, but But her name. I love fucking saying that name.
0: And, I mean, he would go to New Orleans. So, I mean, it's not, like, like south and north. It's... It's, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. Because it's, like, Plaquemine Parish is, like, right outside of Baton Rouge. Right? Yeah. However, when the Civil War erupted in the 1860s, their financial stability just kind of dissipated. And he was short on cash. You know, because, I mean, he had, like, two huge fucking houses. All of the shit. Well... He was like, all right, instead of selling my mansion in the city, I'll rent it out. That's what I can do. So he, you know, so he can say, oh, yeah, we're going to just stay at the plantation and, Mm -hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. So he didn't have to look, you know, like he was in dire straits. Well, as the luck would have it, there is a vessel that arrived at the harbor at night a few weeks later Men came off. They came to do, like, official business. And I guess, I don't know how, like, he had, like, a pin board, like, room for rent. (laughs) I mean, I don't fucking know. (laughs) But he called JB over and was like, I want to rent your house. And so JB was like, sold. Like, let's do it. Let's write it up. Come on, come on, come on. Let's do this. So soon after that, the ship, with all of their shit, arrived Everyone disembarked and it was like a fucking parade. First were the women and they were dressed in the finest silks and satins and just vibrant colors and all of the shit. Next were the eunuchs and they were dressed in dark military clothing and they all carried like a long bayonet. Do you know what eunuchs are? Mm-hmm. They are men who have had their testicles <gasps> removed In order to make them more efficient servants and soldiers.
1: No, no, Mm -hmm.
0: that's not a coke. No, no, not okay. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I was like, oh, I just won't say that word. I don't know what that is. And then I was like, Donna, look it up. You know, what? And I I was like, oh, a skirt. Oh, what? So you take their fucking testosterone. Mm -hmm. Well, because they said, okay, they won't be distracted by lust uh, They still
1: have the fucking lust. They just can't do anything about it, right? Well, I'm not a doctor. I was just playing one on the podcast. Well, because, or they could. They just couldn't ejaculate. I'm not best idea. deference and shit up in there. <laughs>
0: That's all I remember. Best deference. Then the sultan himself. <gasps> then all the furniture from where? I'm getting to it. So all the furniture. There were beds. Vases, portraits, rugs, like just fine pieces, you know, like, Mm -hmm. whoa. What'd they do with all JB stuff? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he probably said, get this out. mm -hmm. But so people were like lined up. Literally, it was like a parade because, I mean, these people had not seen like colors and all of the shit like this. And so it was just like, whoa. Well, so, they continued down Jackson Square, around St. Louis Cathedral, went down to Delphine, and finally arrived at the steps, went inside, closed the house, and that was that. But, like, so, I mean, it was, like, second line. Yeah. And, like, all the locals, like, picked their jaws up off the floor because these women were exotic. You know, like, it was, they were just exotic. And so, it's like, holy fuck. Well, since no one knew his name or his background, gossip really started going. And, you know, everyone loves to give someone a backstory. Mm -hmm. And so they said that he had come from the Ottoman Empire or like some Middle Eastern place and that he was a Turkish sultan. And so then that house started being called the Sultan's Palace. So word on the street was that he had... Fled from like some distant Asian country because he had stolen his brother's favorite wife and some treasures, and then like brought all the entourage and stuff here to New Orleans. So it's just like mysterious mm-hmm. and like intrigue and all of the like grandiose, all the shit. You yeah. Know? So old JB, he had to take his wife, his children, all of their belongings, and vacate the house completely. So he did take his shit. Yeah. Well, the sultan did not waste any fucking time. He was like, "Give me all the gold that I traveled with, because we're about to make this place fine." Like all of his, you know, like Persian rugs, all of, all of the like exquisite shit. You know. What makes Persian rugs so amazing? I think they're just like super soft and like opulent. I mean, I like my Wayfair rug. Same girl. I don't know how much Persian rugs are because even the Wayfair rugs are fucking expensive. Fucking too much. Can't do it. And all it's going to happen is you have to vacuum the rugs. Your dog's going to rub their ass on the rugs mm-hmm. and everything else. And it's like, I paid like a car note for this. Legit. Yeah. But I will say it helps with the podcast. So I oh, found. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, they said that he had, like, pillows piled high in corners. Like, just, I mean, of all the jewel tones, like, what you can think of, like, Prince Ali and Jasmine would have, mm-hmm. that's what the Sultan had. So, about, like, a month, all of his stuff was in. I mean, he had, like, hand-carved furniture coming, and it's all having to be shipped. And so, like, again, they had all these, like, processions, and how so... You, how you, like, okay... How in the
1: hell, in 1825 or 60 or whatever the fuck you said, how you tell somebody over in another country, like, send me my things? Right? I mean,
0: home of pigeons, I guess.
1: How they know where to go? How they know what to send?
0: I know. I don't
1: understand. I'd be like, does he want the blue
0: rug or the red
1: rug? I don't <laughs> fucking know. There's no room on the boat for both of them.
0: Pick one. I know, right? I don't know. And I would be the person that had... Like nervous belly trying to pick Mm -hmm. the ones, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fired. He well, God, I'm gonna get my testicles cut off. Oh shit, true. Well, soon everything was in place, and when you walked by, you can smell like incense and herbs things that people in New Orleans aren't used to. Yeah. So it just like filled the air right outside of this palace. You could hear the laughter from the women. You could hear, you know, like, their soft voices all behind, like, a fence, doors. You know, so you could never see in or anything, but you could hear it. And so that just added to the mystery. And as night fell, you could hear also some sounds of the pleasure. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Not from the guards. Damn. Mm Mm-mm. I'm bitter for those damn guards. You are. You are hey. Someone needs to be on their side. Here's something that you know is like oh my fuck. Worse than the eunuchs. It was rumored that he would often have underage girls <gasps> brought into his home for no. his pleasure. No, you got how many fucking wives there? Uh uh-uh, uh Exactly. Uh-uh. Don't and like that. Also, some young boys as well. Why? I like know. why you got to bring in the kids? I know. So, they would have stories of wild orgies and other, like, just lewd events. Quote, unquote. You know, key parties. I mean, lewd only because there's kids there. But otherwise, you
1: do you, boo-boo.
0: Exactly. But, again, no one really knew. It was all kind of like, well, we saw them go into the door, we think. Or we kind of heard them, we think. You know, like, Mm -hmm. because... It was complete privacy. The doors, the windows, they were all covered, all blocked. The front had like a gate around it, never open. Men patrolled them, um, the Eunuchs. They had curved daggers in their belt. You know, like iron gates were chained and locked. The house was a fucking fortress. But it's like what are you doing in there if you have all of this like security? Like or what are you running from? True. True. The Sultan was so secretive that if, like, milk, all of the stuff that would be delivered, they would leave it on the doorsteps. Later on that night or day, the eunuchs would take it inside. And then the next day, they'd have payment in the form of gold on the same thing. So, like, no one really ever saw him, you know, besides like the high elite people that he would let in. Because, I mean, he had lavish parties and everything, but not, like, all of his neighbors and shit, who were still, like, elite people, weren't invited. Damn. So, again, like, they hated it, but they loved it at the same time. hmm
1: Well, because you always, like, I don't know, the grass is always greener, so you're always like, mm-hmm. ooh, this
0: is something new, this is something blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, like, most horror stories go, it was a dark and stormy night. And the story's no different. So one night, several months later, a storm hit the city. Everyone was, you know, buckling down, getting ready. So lightning, all of that. Next day, blue skies. Everything is beautiful. Birds are chirping. You know, new day. Who dis? Well, one man, he's out for a walk around the neighborhood on Dolphin Street. Mm-hmm. Loving life, probably whistling fucking Dixie, you know, better than I can. If y'all know that Pekka, Pekka, Peppa the Pig little skit, y'all know me because I can't fucking whistle for shit. (laughs) And Carrie can like do like internal whistling and all this shit. I don't even know what that means. You know, when you like breathe in and then it's like a bird sound. Uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Oh, yeah. That, that old thing. Yeah. So he's enjoying the crisp air, you know, all the good things. And then, skirt he stopped. What happened? Right there is the Sultan's Palace and the steps, like, leading to the street. And there is some red <gasps> blood. No. Trickling down from the house, you know, like. To the street? uh uh-huh. Shit. Just kind of like a river, oh you know? Oh, my God. So he was like, oh, fuck. Let me go run to the police, get them. So, you know, they all got there. When they arrived, the blood was even thicker, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, shit. It's not just one person then. Right. You know, like, holy this is like fuck. A mass murder. Yeah. So they bust in the doors because it's, again, locked. All of, you know, like, fortress mode still active. But there were no like guards out front. No, mm-mm, nothing. Not even like a field mouse was over there. They saw that there were dead bodies everywhere. Oh my god! Some had been what they called filleted open. Mm-hmm. And then others were mutilated, so they were missing limbs. Some were missing heads. Like five young girls. Oh, God. Mm hmm. They said it smelled so metallic from all the blood. Ooh. Two officers vomited. They said the scene was so intense that the victims were unable to be identified. Oh, God. Some were chopped into so many pieces. Oh, God. Okay, this is too much, but I did read this and I was like, oh, fuck. It's going to be another skip moment. But they said that the crime scene looked more like a meat plant. Oh, shit. With limbs, organs literally thrown around, and so much blood everywhere. God. So, like, they would be hanging off of the staircase. Like, just, it looked like a fucking Tasmanian devil serial killer came in and wrecked this house.
1: God. It's so weird how, like, that's so much easier to hear because it happened so long ago. Yeah. Like, if you were like, this happened last year, I, that would, like, oh, I crush know. my soul.
0: Yes. It's because we feel safer now. True. You know, like. True. Well, that was back then. Well, it's meanwhile, now. though, it was like a fucking fortress with. Exactly. Guards. Mm-hmm. One thing, though, I always think about is, like, well, he might have been doing something dirty and I'm not doing that, which. I feel more safe in because I'm like not doing that, but those random killings and Mm -hmm. shit that like get, that chills me to the bone Mm -hmm. because I'm like, holy fuck when they have no type, no anything. Mm -hmm. I was just driving down the road and that light was on. So I pulled in and Mm -hmm. and I'm like, holy fuck we leave the light on, you know? And then, and then the next thing I watch, it's like I was driving down the road and that light was off. And so I turned in, I'm like, fuck, I just turned the light off. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll turn it back on. But, you know, you can't win for losing because random is random. And (sighs) anyway, what I'm saying is I'm paranoid all the fucking time. Right. A lot of people said that the bodies were so mutilated that it was hard to tell what part belonged to what body. So the exact body count was like never really confirmed. Oh, God. And what's worse is that they weren't just brutally murdered. The girls, the boys... Even the guards, they had been raped and, like, just had horrible sexual attacks on them. Oh, God. So, with all the chaos, all the bloody mess everywhere, and just, like, holy fuck what happened, there's one person that they cannot find, and that is the Sultan. Like, no one's in the clothes that he would be wearing or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. okay, like, we can't find him. Where is he? So, of course, they go on, like, where's Waldo? Where's Carmen Sandiego? Where the fuck is Sultan? Mm-hmm. Looked in all the rooms. Couldn't find him. So, they moved outside to the courtyard. And they noticed, a like, a part of a glove sticking up off out of the ground. And it was, like, freshly, like, all smashed together. You mm-hmm. know, like, you can see it was freshly dug and all that. Well, they went over there because they're like... Hmm. You know, thinking it might just be a body part, whatever, Mm -hmm. because the gory shit that's inside. Well, no, it's attached to the hand, and that hand is attached to the Sultan. He was buried alive (gasps) after he was brutally attacked. He was mutilated in parts of his body, but, again, buried alive, and they said that he had... Finally, like, managed to free, like, a little bit of his hand. Oh, my God. But he had choked to death on the dirt and everything. Oh, my God.
1: That is legitimately one of my biggest fears in life. I know. Just not being able to breathe. So, from a fire, from a drowning, from buried alive, like.
0: Yeah. (sighs) I know. And, like, I'm a heavy breather, but then when you're, like, okay. My oxygen is depleting. I have mm-hmm. to, like, uh uh-uh. Then, you know, my brain goes to the darkest places. And so then hyperventilating. Then, oh, God, I can't even imagine.
1: Mm-mm.
0: A little bit can't breathe now, just yeah. thinking about it. Also, I had four pieces of pizza, but, you know, who's counting? <laughs> Something that they found was, like, a plaque that was right over where the glove was, you know, like, beside it, basically. And they said that... The plaque was there, and then there was a date tree that was planted. The plaque read, The justice of heaven is satisfied, and the date tree shall grow on the traitor's tomb. What? hmm Who just has a date tree? <laughs> I mean, it was shipped over from an exotic land. They said, ca-ca, ca-ca, And they said, Oh, they need a date tree, and they need it by this date. <laughs> they really had no idea who could do this. Because all of his shit was so mysterious and, like, who did he deal with? What was going on? And clearly couldn't just be one person. Yeah. Well, two theories developed. One was pirates. There was one pirate that was pretty famous and his name was Jean Lafitte. He was a French pirate, privateer, Mm -hmm. you know. And so they said, maybe he had some business, you know, trying to get that hand-carved furniture. Mm -hmm. Pirates were like, "Uh, no, the booty needs to be more. Mm -hmm. And he said, no booty for you. Then if it went south, then they're like, fuck this. We know where you live. We know what's going to happen. And, you know, whatever. And so that could be the traitor and Mm -hmm. all of that shit. The second one is family. Because, turns out, he was not a sultan after all. Mm. He was the brother of one. Mm. And so it is suspected that he would have been executed in his country of unknown origin. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But he did, like, steal his wife or, you know, like, whatever. And then was like, ooh, got a jet. hmm And came over here. But, of course, he was just like, okay, instead of being no-name... Second to the heir, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the Sultan and I'm going to do all this. Well, he was living it up in his fortress and ca-caw, ca-caw, they said, Oh shit, someone else is being Sultan. Mm-hmm. You know? No. Well, okay. So if that's the case, though, like
1: when you're like running for your life, how do you have time to be like, Okay, let's get this mo- bring this much gold with you. I need this many women. I need. All the rugs mm-hmm. and all the dressers that have been hand carved. You know, yeah. like
0: how do you have time to do that? It's because people always have other people who work for him. So he could be like, send word to I guess whatever. So. I want this, this, and you know, and like they mm-hmm. all get it and then ship it like yeah. secretly, you know. And so then the brother's like, damn it,
1: he's got me again. But like, why would he? I'm just because. I'm a worrier. Uh-huh. But why would he spend all that money when, like, all that gold and stuff when it's going to end? Like, if there's there's no, what's your end game? Because mm-hmm. your gold's going to eventually run out having all this lavish shit.
0: Well, if he's, like, a thief anyway. Maybe. And he probably thinks, well, my my brother will forgive me once he's moved on. You yeah. know, like, if it lasts me five years, he's found another wife and found this. and yeah. And, you know, family forgives a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. So that's probably it. Or he just didn't care. Because, I mean, if he's, like, stealing his wife and all this, he's probably, like, carefree mm -hmm. and just, like. Not a worrier. Yeah. It'll work out. Bring the gold. Mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. See, that makes my stomach hurt. Mm Mm-hmm. Me too. Another thing with the family, though. They said that he, like, still on the premise that he stole his wife, stole some treasure, stole all of, you know. The shit. So his brother's angry. And he also is like, you know what? Found out where he lives. Found out, you know, all the shit. But he still could have some inheritance and everything. Let's just wipe him out then. Like, he's already taken too much of what's mine. Mm -hmm. He's not going to take any more. And so he went, killed everyone. So he could have his family fortune and not have to worry about everything. Who knows? Because also family does some mean shit too for money for sure Uh uh-huh so no one will really know what happened that night why it happened or whatever but now the place is haunted oh i bet for years afterwards like it just declined because it became a place for people who were homeless that just you know like was it like an abandoned building or yeah okay okay so it wasn't like like a shelter no 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 it's like no one's there Let's just go in, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Then it was rented out as some apartments because a lot of Italian immigrants had came over in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And so that was kind of like really cheap housing, Mm -hmm. but terrible, like landlord, you know, the whole, we know how it goes. Yes. Well, one time during this whole period, an Italian woman was washing clothes. Like that's how she made her living. She would wash people's clothes like Charlie's mom on Willy Wonka. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, she was hanging them out to dry on the top balcony. And and then one day, she just fell over the ironwork and landed on the pavement below, instantly killed. Oh, my God. And so people were like, a ghost pushed her. And then other people were like, no, no, no. She leaned too far over. Yeah. And she fell. But, But everyone, like, it was... No in-between. Mm-hmm. You know, it was her fault or it was a ghost. But they were saying, you know, like, how he treated women and everything. Like, it wouldn't be too far-fetched mm-hmm. to think one would be pushed. Some residents of the house reported seeing the sultan himself. And they knew it was him because, again, he was very grandiose in how he dressed and very jewel tones, everything. Like, God. I would have loved all of the colors. I know I would have. <laughs> but they also see other figures dressed like that. So, I mean, it's not of, of like, the normal, like, Confederate soldiers and all that shit, Right. They also hear screaming and shrieking. And they've heard the sounds of body parts hitting the floor at night, they say. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And some people, when they're walking by it, because, I mean, it's still there, they say that they can smell the incense I thought you were going to say the, like, copper of the blood. Oh, God. Oh, God. And also, like, they could hear Middle Eastern flute music and, you know, just things that would not normally be happening there. But would happen at the Sultan's Palace. Right. They've seen a man sitting in the window and then suddenly he disappear and in 1949, the building actually housed the New Orleans Academy of the Arts for, like, a small time. But, you know, still did. And they said that they could hear, like, footsteps on the stairs. You know, that's a favorite. hmm And they, they would sometimes see women peering through the windows of the upper floors. And they were thinking that that would be in, like, his harem of women that he had. Mm-hmm. And they would hear screams and moans and frantic running. And so they said it's like they're replaying that night. They're stuck in a loop of that night. Oh, God. That's like a residual haunting. Uh-huh. And God bless them. I found an article that was written in 1979. It was like a newspaper interview with some tenants. And they said that they have seen a man in like a Middle Eastern costume. The lady's name is Virgie Gypsy Poston, and she said, like, when she rented this place, it was, like, really low rent, but that's all she could afford. She was, like, a choreographer, you know, just just getting by. She said one day, she was just in her apartment, and it it was, like, a two-room apartment, had only one door, and it opened into the main hall, and then, like, a staircase, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like an apartment, like, staircases, and then you go into... Like, a hallway. She said that the door was locked. Everything, you know, like, nothing was out of the ordinary. All of a sudden, a man who was wearing a Middle Eastern robe and, you know, very outlandish and extravagant looking just appeared. And so, she's like, I didn't hear a lock turn. I didn't hear, you know, like, what Mm -hmm. the fuck? And she said, like, one minute he was there. She blinked and the next he was gone. He didn't seem hostile. He was just like standing there staring at her. And so she was like, it was just really fucking eerie. Yeah. Uh she saw him again just a short time later. She woke up and he was standing at the end of her bed. Nope. Mm-hmm. mm She said there was no sign of him when she turned on the lights and got up to check. But she was like, mm I'm staying with a girlfriend. Like, mm-mm. Beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. I'm coming to you. Like Someone's up in this house, dead or undead, and it ain't gonna be me. Well, a few days after that, she had her last experience, but it was, like, the most bone-chilling experience. So, her and her friend stopped by just to get some of her things, you know, again, because she had, like, left and was like, boy-bye. hmm She said they were in the hallway, and it was dimly lit. She locked the door, and suddenly they heard a blood-curdling scream. She said it came out of the inky blackness somewhere at the top of the staircase. Oh, God. Just a few feet from them. So, see nothing and then have this scream that, you know, just chilled them to the bone. She said it was a long, shrill scream that ended in a horrible gurgle. Oh, God. They ran the fuck out of there. And, like, a few days later, she was like, okay, go with me one more time. Like, this time a little bit earlier. We get my stuff, and I'm never going back. And she didn't. Damn. Another person. It was Jean D'Amico and her husband Frank and her husband's business partner Anthony. The house was in bad shape, and so they were going to repair it and you know restore it and make apartments. This was a this was actually before what that happened, but it was later in the article, and so I just kept her timeline. So they were like, "All right, we're going to turn these into luxury apartments." And, you know, like, kind of bring it back to what it was back in the day. A little she if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, then the neighbors were like, look, this his- this house has got some fucking history. Let me tell you about it. And so, told her about everything. And she said that people would, like, cross the street and not walk in front of the house and stuff. So, she's like, you know... Whatever, you know, people, some people are superstitious. It's not me. But one night she was trying to sleep and she just kind of sensed something in the room with her. She looked up and saw a man standing at the edge of her bed. Mm-mm, don't like that. Mm-mm. So she said like, she was like, oh, fuck my eyes. You know, I'm tired. Whatever. Blink, blink, blink. Opened them. He's still there. So she said he started to move like toward her side of the bed And so she was like, oh, fuck no, and, like, turned on the light, and he was gone. Mm -mm. So she, like, woke up her husband like, uh, Frank, let me tell you what just fucking happened to me. Yeah. And he laughed. He was like, oh, my God, you're seeing things. It's okay. Go back to bed. Mm -mm. Don't do that. Don't ever say that to me. While she was being interviewed, Jean, she was on the balcony, and she just kind of pointed down, and it was like this strange tree just kind of growing horizontally out of a wall that was close to the patio. And she said, they say the Sultan was buried there. And so Jean was like, the original plans of the house show that that room was actually like a later addition. And so it's like that tree could have been there. And then they like built over it and it's growing out of there. Yeah. And that's, you know, the date tree that was planted on top of him. Damn. Another person, it was a man, and he had moved into the first floor. And it was like that half-raised basement area. Mm -hmm. And while he was going down the stairs to do some laundry, he saw his dog. And the dog was shoved down the stairs. (gasps) But it was like by nothing, you know. He, He survived. But his dog would refuse to enter the living room. And would not do so unless his owner picked him up and placed him in there. Mm-mm. See, dogs know shit. Uh-huh. But at least the dog survived. We're good there. Nina became a new owner of the property. She had heard about him, but she was like, really? I haven't felt anything. I haven't sensed anything. But there is one strange thing that keys in all of the apartments would go missing sometimes, just randomly, all of the keys. Hmm. And she was like, that's really it? You know, some other objects would go missing, but not really. But, I mean, who knows? It could have been, like, a robber who, mm-hmm. you know, come and been like, who, who, who. Uh, who knows? Who calls them a robber? I don't know. But is there any historical truth to any of this story? Well, I don't know. There better be. A lot of people say probably not. What? the fuck? Mm-hmm. They can't really find any newspapers or anything written about this huge massacre or the sultan, anything like that. The earliest version of the story or the legend comes from a chapter in History of Louisiana by Charles Gaier, which was published in 1866. And it was about the origins of the date tree, which is known as the Tree of Death. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, it really was at that corner of Delphine and Orleans. And that's, you know, like where that mansion is located now. So, it's kind of like, well, okay, that kind of makes sense. But did they just kind of merge the two or Mm -hmm. whatever? And then a lady named Helen Pitkin's shirts, I think. Sorry. She wrote a book called Legends of Louisiana. And that's kind of where, like, the legend of the house and the sultan and all of that was really nailed down. And a lot of people point to that being like, no, it's historical and Mm -hmm. all of that. But, again, everyone says we can't find definite proof of it. It's all kind of like folklore Mm -hmm. passed down. However, it was back in, you know, the 1800s and... I mean, maybe New Orleans just didn't want like a huge massacre from some quasi sultan mm-hmm. you know, like you know what I mean? Like who knows that's the thing that sucks. It's like, oh, it's fake, okay, but then you're like, oh shit, it could be real, and I mean, the again, cover up. yeah, who's gonna be like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's put it all in the papers like because if they're wealthy and all of that, the real Sultan could have paid people off
1: and they also don't want this huge port to then true, be tarnished.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's always like, well, I mean, I don't know, that's why I make it a mystery. Yeah. But some historians and paranormal enthusiasts, one in particular, James Caskey, he said there are two main ghosts in this house, like for real for real to this day. But he said that he doesn't think any of them are from the 19th century and not from that massacre. He said that one is a Confederate soldier and he still is around the house in a military uniform. And the second is a spirit of a woman who probably lived at the house at some point in time. However, why do other people have these, mm-hmm. these experiences
1: and None of them say, like, in a soldier's uniform.
0: Right. So, I don't know. It's like, do they hear this and then they have these experiences? Or are some of these people not familiar? Because, I mean, I thought I knew a lot about New Orleans and I hadn't heard about this Mm -hmm. place. So, maybe they didn't know all of it and were like, oh, my God, I saw this guy. And, like, you know, he was in... yeah silks and had this robe and you know what i mean and it's like that ain't a guy from around here right you know
1: so i don't know wow i don't know i've never heard of that i mean i've heard of like jean lafitte and you know but never damn i want to go
0: i know i know it's still there and i mean i swear if we're walking by there and we hear some like flute music i'll be like it's a truth he was here So, a little mystery, a little intrigue, a little murder.
1: Well, it it couldn't have been one person. Like, if those people really lived there, Mm -hmm. there's no way one person could manage all those people.
0: Yeah. Well, and the sultan wouldn't have, like the real sultan, would not have just come by himself anyway. Mm -hmm. Or if he came at all. He probably had his own poor soldiers that didn't have their balls anymore. Right. And, you know. Oh, yeah, that's
1: definitely a mission he sent
0: them uh on. Uh-huh. While he was in his lavish robes and eating grapes and dates, <laughs> oh shit!
1: <laughs> True. Hmm. Well, we uh, we need to go. I'm game.
0: Uh, let me go. Deep boop 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 boop. Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, are you handicap accessible right now? Uh, my friend's <laughs> on a knee scooter. And <laughs> do you have bumpers on the wall because she has taken out a few uh, door frames? I'm legit gonna need a fucking contractor
1: to fix my house <laughs> after this. Well, that was good. Yay, I'm glad you liked it. Okay, picture it. Mid-1970s, California. We're going to go to Isla Vista, California. Okay. Which is where the University of California Santa Barbara location is. Okay. And so, it's basically from what everything, I mean, you know, I ain't never been, but from everything that I watched, read, that kind of thing, Isla Vista is basically all college students. Oh okay, um, yeah, everybody like bikes everywhere and goes to the university, and it's just like this community basically of just the kids, yeah, so in this college town, like I said, they biked everywhere, but hitchhiking was also a mode of transportation. you know it's very like eccentric, everybody was kind of artsy, yeah, and, you know, exactly what you think of when you think of California in the seventies yeah,
0: totally. I was picturing it all. I mean, I had tandem biking in my head, but you know, I had I have to go a step further all the time. Could you imagine us on a tandem bike? Uh, no, <laughs> no, because I watch another uh, trashy reality show. I watch Amazing Race. Amazing Race, yes. They had to do a tandem biking thing, and girl, most of the people just had like one person biking and the next person like just resting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, that would be us, and you would be the one biking. We would, if we were on that show, we would be the people America hated. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Well, one, they'd be like, can you get this girl a sweat rag? Because, (laughs) like, like, they go, you know, I mean, they're, like, nonstop. uh Uh-uh. I know.
1: I'm hot watching them. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, November 20th, 1976, 21-year-old Jacqueline Ann Rook disappeared. Oh, shit. And the last time she was seen, she was hitchhiking, a ride somewhere. <laughs> okay. Good story, huh? Uh-huh. No. So she was hitchhiking somewhere. hmm And disappeared. Nobody saw her again. And so, you know, the community is like, oh, my gosh. Like, how could this, you know, how could this happen? But they're also like, well, you know, it's one person. You know, so yeah. it wasn't really like where it was kind of changing the culture or anything right. like that. Because they're like, well, I mean, I can't believe this happened here, but. It wouldn't happen to me. Right. Well, December 6th of 1976, 19-year-old Mary Ann Saris disappeared. And she was known to hitchhike as well. And so now the community is like, oh, my God, we have these two young girls. Yeah. They looked very similar. And they're disappearing from Isla Vista. And it's like they were both hitchhiking. They, again, look very similar, young college students. You know, and so people are like, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? How is this happening in our community? Like, what is going on? There was one student in particular. Her name was Patricia Marine Laney. And she was a huge activist about the girls missing. It created, like, this whole movement in Isla Vista for better public transportation at night. Yeah. That sort of thing. Because... One thing said that Marianne actually went missing from a bus stop. Oh fuck! And so you know, it it's just so there was just it just became this huge movement in the area to create safer transportation for people because again they're all college students. They didn't have cars. It was you know whatever. Patricia, who was also known as Patty, she was very very involved in the community. She had helped create this credit union. Damn.
0: I know. Did she get credit for it? <laughs> hmm.
1: Yeah, so she and a bunch of people had created this credit union. They had created, like, a food bank. She was really involved in the arts. Like, she and, like, seven guys had were working on this play, Peter Pan, and she was Wendy. You know, they had yeah. their practice a couple nights a week and all that. Damn. She was just very involved in the community and very involved in finding, you know, Jacqueline and Marianne because she
0: was, like, How could this happen here? We we have to stop this. How can she do 25,000 different things in a day and I can't, you know, put on my socks? Beats me. You don't wear socks. I know. Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, one night, Patty is out hanging flyers for the missing girls. And one of her castmates for the Peter Pan thing was supposed to come pick her up. Well, he was running late. And that's the last time anybody saw Patty. So now we have three girls missing. Yeah. All from Isla Vista. All very similar in appearance. You know, and it's like, Patty was, she was aware. Like, she Mm -hmm. wasn't, I mean, she was hanging flyers about the girls who went missing while hitchhiking. And she's an advocate. And so it's like, you know, surely she wouldn't have just gotten in somebody's car. You know, like, what what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah. I don't know why I stopped myself from saying fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so of course, as it's been with all of the girls that have come up missing, they are looking. They're looking everywhere. Well, Patty went missing on January eighteenth of nineteen seventy seven. So we're we're like basically a month apart for yeah. these girls. Well, it didn't take them long to find out what happened to Patty. Oh, her body was found the very next day. Oh fuck! But here's the thing, though. Her body was found along this road that was kind of like a. You had to know the area to know this road. Yeah. One thing I watched said... I didn't really understand what he was saying, but, like, maybe the road went alongside some Reagan property. I don't really... I didn't really understand...
0: The Reagan was, property?
1: Yeah. I didn't understand how it fit into the story, but it was like... I don't know. I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, like the Reagans, you know? Yeah. So, the police knew, like, okay, he's got to be... Whoever's doing this has to be local and they also, you know, they've got the FBI involved and so the FBI's like, okay, it's going to be a young white male because most serial killers are. Yeah. But one thing they found when they found Patty's body, they found a bunch of napkins that looked like that they were covered in blood, like it like napkins had been used to clean something. Yeah. And they looked like restaurant napkins. Oh fuck. But not like shishi like no, no. napkins yeah, like, like
0: you get from a drive-through, they put 25 but, in your bag. Right,
1: but like nicer like restaurant Paper oh, okay okay. You know okay. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they' nice and folded.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the kind that are really good and really absorbent. So you stick them all in your purse mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, my fault. You sent fifty to my table. Well, so
1: those, like I said, those napkins were covered in blood, like they'd been used to clean something up. But they also found latent prints. Oh shit. On it, so they had prints. But again, it's nineteen seventy. Seven. It's not like they can just go run them through the computer yeah, database. Yeah, because on tour.
0: Prince, get it? Oh.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not getting your jokes
0: today. <laughs> Damn. Okay.
1: So they know from Patty's body that she had been shot in the side of the head. Oh, And it looked like she was shot in the side of the head in a car and then, like, Pushed from the car, and so what they were, the police were thinking was, okay, well, maybe she bled too much in the car, and that's where the napkins mm. came from. Like he was like, oh my god, clean up the blood. So he threw them out, thinking, how's there going to be prints on that? You know, yeah. nothing that they're going to be able to get him back from. Basically, the very next day, not far from Patty's body, they found Jacqueline Rook's body. Ooh, the first one. Mm-hmm. And again, it was on that same. You know stretch of road, I mean a little bit away from her, but but this local this local road that again you'd have to be a local to know well, Jacqueline's body, same as patty ha- she had been shot in the head with a small caliber pistol, and both of them had evidence of rape.
0: oh no, motherfucker, so
1: police are doing their due diligence, they are like on top of it, like one thing I was watching was saying that. Back then, they actually had more detectives than they do now. And so, there was a ton of manpower on this. Wow. There were like a hundred suspects, you know, just trying to figure out who did it and all of that. Well, about this time, police were, you know, cruising around. And they were at this place. It's kind of like a lover's lane, but also kind of a place where people just go and drink and smoke pot and all of that, too. You yeah. know, so it could kind of be either or. And there were two guys hanging out and they noticed the car because for some reason the driver like had the brake like had a foot on the brakes but they weren't they were parked, they were just sitting there. Yeah. And they were drinking and, you know, smoking pot. And so the police pull up and they're like, You're underage, like, give me the pot, give me the beer. I'm yeah. Write you a ticket. And they were like, but let me look I'm gonna look at the truck first. Oh fuck. And the owner of the car, it, his name's Thor Christensen. And he was like, mm-mm.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Well, his his buddy that was with him was like, bro, just give him the fucking keys. Like, yeah. Just let him, just let, you know, and he's like, oh, whatever. So the the police officer takes the keys and he opens the trunk and he finds that he's got a twenty two caliber gun in the back there. Mm. Um, But it's not uncommon. Yeah. You know, so they didn't think anything of it. They confiscated the gun, took the beer and the pot, wrote him a ticket, sent him on their way. So he was... Kind of in the Thor was kind of in the known of those hundred suspects because he had this 22 caliber yeah. gun, but it wasn't like he was a suspect, right? So, of course, hitchhiking had ceased in Isla Vista because you know the women were like, absolutely not. Like, I mean, it happened to Patty, you know, it's like, yeah, it's one thing when it was like, okay, you know, again, not to victim blame, but you know, their kind of thought process was one woman okay Two, well they were both hitchhikers but then when patty went she was such an activist and she was like act you know trying to find these women and and it wasn't like she wouldn't like how did that happen you know what i mean and so it just yeah. kind of brought it home for everybody to where it was like no we're not safe it really could be anybody and so the hunting grounds for the killer kind of had to change so when you're in california and you need someone that will is readily available to get into your car and leave. Where are you going to go? Sunset Boulevard. Oh. Well, on April eighteenth of 24 year old Linda Preston was on Sunset Boulevard. She, what she was a sex worker, and a guy pulled up, and you know they made their deal for how much money for what, and so she got in the car, and she's like okay go there's this motel you know two blocks up the road stop there because it's like a by hour thing do yeah. thing whatever well he passes that and then she's like okay well we can go over here and he's like telling her like i'm a construction worker i'm from blah 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 town you know like chatting her up and yeah. she's like okay but pull pull over like okay let's get this done you know and he's like you know I don't really know where stuff is, blah, blah. But, like, he just, like, keeps driving, and she's like, oh, my, you know. Yeah. We're starting to get out of town a little bit, so she's, like, ooh, starting to get, she's starting to know something's yeah. up. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, he drew a gun and shot her in the side of the head. What the fuck? Well, Linda, being the fucking badass that she is, jerks the steering wheel and like, makes the car go off the road, and she jumps out of the passenger seat and, like, runs to a house for safety. Wow. She survived.
0: That is awesome. So,
1: she ended up, like, I think it broke her jaw, and it, she lost hearing in one ear. Fuck. But she survived. Yes. God. She was able to give police a good description of who the guy was, you know, what he looked like, what happened, what his car was, all of that, but police couldn't find him. Mm. Well, the next month, Laura Sue Benjamin, she was 23. She went missing on May 26, 1979. And she was a sex worker as well. Okay. Basically, the same thing. Her body was found shot in the side of the head. Evidence of sexual assault or of rape. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is not in Ala Vista. It's in L.A. And so... It, you know, nobody put it together at first that it was connected. Yeah. Well, three months after Linda was attacked, she goes to this local bar, and while she's there, because she, you know she survived, she you know wasn't in the hospital very long. I mean, she was like a fucking rock star, and so she's at this this bar, and who the fuck walks in? No. But the guy that assaulted her. Oh fuck. So, she runs to the back, picks up a payphone, and calls police and is like, he's, he's here. She gets put on hold.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Uh-huh. And she's like, look, the guy that attacked me, he's here. Like, this is what happened, yada, yada, yada. So, the police come and arrest the her attacker for felonious assault. Well, when they arrest him, they find out that... This guy was actually one of the suspects in all the Isla Vista Santa Barbara murders. Oh, shit. And it was Thor Christensen. (gasps) Motherfucker. So, we're going to back up a little bit. We're going to talk about Thor Christensen. Okay. So, Thor was born in Denmark, and he and his parents came to the United States when he was five. They originally went to Inglewood, California, but this area called Solvang, California... It became this, like, Danish settlement, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, a ton of Danish Americans settled there, made it kind of like home. They had, you know, shops and restaurants that were all of their culture and all of that. And so, Thor and his family moved there. And his dad opened a very successful restaurant in Solvang.
0: Restaurant, you say? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Thor was a bit of a shit as a kid. He was he was a good student. Like, he was smart, yada, yada, yada. But his friend said that around middle school, it was almost like there was a shift. Mm. He would just, like, trigger warning, see a small animal and just, like, step on it and kill it. What? And he was like really... A, like a... Like a... Like, like a squirrel. A... I wish y'all could see her face. She is literally crushed right now. Yeah. All the shit that she did to us
0: last week and I might cry
1: that like literally just crushed her soul.
0: Did it's <laughs> not familiar.
1: He was just an asshole too. Like, one of his friends was interviewed, and again, this was his friend. And he would like they would be playing basketball like before school or whatever. And when the bell rang to go inside, he would, like, kick his friend's basketball across the yard so he had to go get it to make him late for class. What the fuck? Like, just shit like that. Like, he was just a fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, kids that are usually assholes are assholes for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. Because somebody's an asshole to them at home. Yeah. And that his dad was. His dad was an alcoholic that was pretty abusive. And so, again, when a kid has no routine and structure at home— i.e. a parent that's an alcoholic and you never know when they're going to fly off the handle and beat the shit out of you. They try to take control where they can, mm-hmm. ergo, hurting other people, hurting other kids, hurting other animals, that kind of thing. Yeah. Classic Psych 101 shit here. Uh-huh. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> that's I just wrote your term paper for you.
0: Right? Well, it's like, that's so hard, though, because I'm like, oh, bless it. But then also, like, you don't have to be an ass. Oh, yeah. No, I totally you agree. Know? Oh, I totally so it's agree. Like,
1: Thor started drinking pretty heavily in, like, seventh grade. He, again, his parents had a lot of money because they had this successful restaurant. And so, one of his friends said that his mom would give him $20 and they would go buy a fifth of whatever and cigarettes. And he would, like, take a couple of shots before class in the morning. Damn. Like, he drove a nice car. Like, I think he had an Audi. Damn. Yeah. He just, you know, he was, his parents... Just gave him things, you know, because Thor drank so much, you know, did some drugs, all of that. He gained a lot of weight and was very self-conscious, had trouble with women, yada, yada, yada. He like moved out of his parents' house, dropped out of school, started working at a gas station, you know, gained all the weight. Well, timeline wise, it was after the first three murders, Jacqueline, Marianne, and Patty. Thor moved to Oregon, and while he was in Oregon, he apparently got, he had like a bum eye, got his eye fixed, went on a diet, lost weight, feeling himself, right? He came back to Santa Barbara, and he was like, okay, I'm going to finish my high school degree, you know, so he, there was a little junior college there, so Thor enrolled there to finish his degree. He got himself a little apartment, and he had a, a girlfriend that he lived with, but he actually met her while she was hitchhiking. Like, he picked her up, and that's how they met.
0: Oh, fuck. It's like, right now, I forgot that he was, like, a douche canoe. And I'm like, oh, good for him. Getting his life together.
1: Well, it said that he, like, had this insatiable sex trap. Like, he would have sex with his girlfriend, like, three to five times a day.
0: Fuck, who has time for that?
1: So, if you remember, the first three murders happened, like, basically within three months of one another in 77. And then it was like two years later when Linda Preston was attacked and then Laura Sue Benjamin was murdered. And so there was that space in between. And so it was like kind of, well, where'd he go? You know, why was there this space? Well, that's when Thor was in Oregon. Mm. So the police are like, we got our man, you know, yeah. they were able to use his fingerprints to identify him from the napkins that were at the scene for, with Patty. So they were like, okay, you know, they arrested him for the murders and he went to trial first for the murder of Laura Sue Benjamin. At first he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. And so they did, you know, all these Tests and stuff, and they were basically like, "Nah, you're good," you know. (laughs) Yeah, because the insanity plea didn't work. He was like, "All right, I'm guilty.
0: (laughs) You got me. I'm sorry, I did it."
1: (laughs) So part of his guilty plea was he had to like disclose everything. Oh shit! He remembered in pretty fucking vivid detail exactly what happened in all of these murders and he and the attack on Linda and he went through and told it all to the court
0: and here's the thing though
1: the tea of it is the women were not alive when he raped him
0: I was thinking they weren't because if he shot them uh-huh like they're you know what I mean so I was thinking that too
1: yeah so his fantasy was necrophilia mm. And so, that all came out. And so, one of the one of the things I was watching had a, a psychologist that was saying, like, you know, with necrophilia, it's not that, you know, because he had trouble with his weight and meeting women and blah, blah, blah. It's not that he had an impotence problem in that regard because he had his girlfriend. He was having sex three to five times a day. But that in itself was an issue. Like, he needed it that much because of an issue. Yeah. And... The necrophilia was because they were his. It was, you know, like, it was like he owned them. He mm. versus, like, again, because I think when, sometimes when you think of it, like, Ed Kemper, almost like he couldn't get it up with women who were alive. He couldn't, yeah. you know, he had this impotence, but but social impotence, too. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I think of necrophilia, I kind of think of that, Ed Kemper kind of thing. But that's not how Thor was. Thor, I mean, he had a girlfriend. He had, you know, he had issues. But he had some semblance of a typical life. Yeah. You know? He was sentenced to life in prison in June of 1980. So, like, that whole process was only, like, a year. Yeah. He was serving his time at Folsom Prison. Ooh. I mean, hey, lockup. Well, hey, Johnny Cash. Oh. I know it from lockup. up. Oh. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so he was serving his time in Folsom prison and it was less than a year that he had been there and an inmate shanked him to death from
0: behind. Damn. Well, she's happy about this, y'all. She was smiling about it. You can hear it in her voice. I know you can. I think it's just because I got to say shank. Because <laughs> my
1: article said stabbed, but I changed it. <laughs> and they like never found who killed him. Damn. Like, convict code. Nobody said shit. Yeah. they. But he died less than a year after he was there. Like, Damn. they were like, you know, convict code, man. You don't kill women and have sex with their dead bodies, you know. Yeah. Even the men in prison didn't like him. Mm. So, he died, like, less than a year after he was sentenced to life in prison. One thing, though. So, we have four confirmed murder victims and then one assault. I feel like there's no way that his very first victim was someone that just got in her car, got in this car, and he was like, boom, shoot him and then rape him. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like there had to be some escalation to that. Yeah. So I really feel like Jacqueline was not his first victim. Yeah. That's just pure speculation on my part. But I will say, though, that when he was in Oregon, because they were like, you don't just kill three people and stop. For a year. Yeah. Almost two years. And then come back and do it again. Two more times. You know.
0: Try to do it two more times. Well he went on The Biggest Loser. And they work out 12 hours a day. True.
1: But. There were some. Women who were killed. Kind of with the same MO in Oregon. But they were never. Actually. Tied to him. He never confessed. Or anything like that. So. They think that he has some victims in Oregon. But. There's no proof. And now he's dead. So. Yeah. I definitely don't think that. Four is a true and accurate count for him. Yeah. I don't think it's like, you know, because I feel like with every serial killer, they're like, we know that he killed four, but he, he may have been 700. You know, right. I don't think it's like that huge, but I do think that he has a few more than we actually know.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, if he was killing poor, innocent animals, like, you know, he he had a starting point. He had some
1: escalation. Yeah,
0: and so, I've, yeah, yeah. Rook was probably the first of that MO yeah
1: well and then again Jacqueline Marianne and Patty were all killed within a month of each other yeah. like it was like November December January and it was like you don't just go from having a month cooling off period to mm-hmm. nothing for two years like
0: yeah
1: th- there's th- we're missing some pieces to the puzzle mm-hmm. but we'll never know so that's it that's the story of Thor Christensen and wow. his oh one sorry I don't know why I clapped
0: one thing I forgot. To mention that his name's Thor and he killed four. I've been wanting you to bring that up the whole time.
1: <laughs> no. The road that the bodies were dumped, it was a back road from Ala Vista to Solvang. Oh. So like that's the route that he would yeah. have gone from where he lived in Solvang uh-huh. with his parents to Ala Vista and back. So that that's why I was like, you know, it's a back you know, I uh-huh. meant to tell you all that too, but of course I forgot a little detail.
0: It's okay. Well, wow. All right, so what we learn? We learned that even though we think we know history, we never really know because we're like, okay, well, that did happen. It's in books. It's, you know, like everyone knows about it, but then you're like, well, we can't find any documents, so it didn't happen. But then if you think about it, it's like, well, it's a really bad crime, and so why would they document it if they're having issues or yeah, whatever? Like, we never 100% know.
1: Well, and I mean, in there, like a whole branch of historians that are based on like, not folklore, but like, yeah, like word of mouth stories and stuff. Uh-huh. And that, I mean, that is so that is a real thing. But, yeah. But again,
0: how do you prove it? Mm-hmm. Well, and two, I mean, now we have way more documents and mm-hmm. everything there. I mean, people could literally come and rob that place. Like, the Sultan's brother could have been like, Doop, 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 have his eunuchs come, go get the papers and shit. And it'd be like, they went and vanished like a fart in the wind. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and again, like, if you think about how much easier it was to fake things and yeah. to fake paperwork and to fake, you know, yeah, it could be
0: like, I mean, any, like, literally anything. I know. Now I'm putting on my tinfoil hat and everything I know is a lie. Yeah. Okay, before I freak out about it and think too much about it, what else did we learn? I think that we learned
1: that place in life, class, like, all of that, it doesn't, like, who you think someone is doesn't exempt them from murder. Oh, for sure. You know, because it's so, if you've got, assault, you had a sultan, and we had, you know, in my story, young college students, we had...
0: A rich guy.
1: Yes. A, yes. A rich murderer. You had women who were trying to just make life work as sex workers. You know, it just... It was kind of the... It's the whole gamut mm-hmm. of what you think of when you think of life. And nobody's immune to it. Nobody's no. an exception. Nope. It literally can happen to anybody. Yeah. And it happened to someone when, like Patty who... Was this advocate trying to say, like, we need better transportation. Don't hitchhike. Like, hanging up flyers about these women. Yeah. And she was a victim, you know? Yeah. And so, it's like, you can't say, like, oh, well, they were sex workers or, oh, they were hitchhiking. Like
0: Yeah. The people who want to victim blame, they can't because Patty broke that mold. Exactly. And it just shows that bad shit can happen to anybody. Yep. So, if you're in a car right now, look to your left, look to your right, and one of those people... What you trying to scare them for? I, you know, you know I always try to do something. I don't like that one. Okay. All right. Third one is going to be something I did not learn from our episode, but... Did you learn it from Love Island? No. I learned it from... Big brother? Tr- <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm going okay. guessing. I learned it from True Crime Obsessed. They... If y'all did not listen to their podcast, oh my God, I love them. But they... Recap, what do you call it? Uh, they recap documentaries and stuff like that. And their latest episode is about the boy band con. Mm-hmm. And did you know that in sync, Backstreet Boys, all of them are pretty much the reason that TRL existed. People were called like girls were calling up MTV, being like, "Hey, I need you to play their video again. Hey, I need you to play their video again." And they were like, what can we do about this? Like, we're getting bombarded. We, you know, whatever. And they're like, okay, when are they all usually available after school? Mm -hmm. When can we do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so they created TRL. Damn. I was like. And Carson Daly. Yeah. Oh, God, I had such a crush on him. And he has gotten so good with age. Uh Uh-huh. I watched The Voice, y'all. But I was like blown away. I was like, what? I was like, if I couldn't love NSYNC anymore, they fucking gave me TRL, which was the best thing ever after school. That's so funny. I did not love it. What?
1: I didn't. I would much have rather watched The Brady Bunch and all those other little shows like California Dreamin' and all those well, other shows. Well, California
0: Dreamin' came on
1: on Saturdays, honey. No, eventually it came on after school.
0: When were you doing that after school? Like when
1: TRL was on. Oh, God. So, what are we learning from this? Oh, you're just giving us facts?
0: Yes, that's what I learned. Oh, okay. And I wanted to share it because I was like, holy fuck. I do love me some Carson Daly, though. Me, too. I mean, obviously, I think I've solidified my love for TV this episode. I've talked about (laughs) it pretty much the whole time. Oh, oh, oh. And remember, whoa, you threw me off. (laughs) Creep it real. And and don't 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 get scared. scared.